0: This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, overcoming our culture's war on the American family. Written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician, Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. From autism to advertising, technology is reading people's emotions like never before. So... How do you feel about that? This is Device and Virtue.
1: Well, hey, welcome back to Device <laughs> and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life.
0: We're coming to you from Chicago. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. And Chris, I... I need you to tell me uh, right now, if you had to categorize your emotion in one of six categories, uh, which one would it be? Anger, disgust, fear, happiness, (laughs) sadness, or surprise. You only get those six categories. No other qualification. Well, despite
1: my uh, laughter, I'm going to go with uh, disgust at this question.
0: (laughs) Really? Although, although like, what, why? <laughs> why? Because you don't like being categorized, maybe? <laughs> like, no, I'm angry. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm actually really enjoying this. Whoa, whoa, this. whoa. Lean back. Now I'm fearful. I'm, fe- now I'm, no, careful. I'm I, fearful. I'm enjoying this right now. So <laughs>
1: I'm feeling happy. No. Uh, well, I'm glad you're feeling happy. You know, I'm working on feeling happy. Did I tell you that I finally installed
0: that app you recommended to me? <laughs> what app? The WoBot app. The WoBot. I kind of forgot about that.
1: No, it's like the emotional therapist app.
0: Yes. It's not um,
1: That's really what it is. It's I, an app I you install on it, your iPhone.
0: I downloaded and try it. Tried it, but it sounds like you have maybe no.
1: I, <laughs> I'm gonna admit I've used it. It's called. First of all, the name is great. Obviously, it's, whoa, it's woe. W o e like o oh, woe is me. like woe is me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whoa, bot.
1: Um and it it actually is built by a team from Stanford. That oh interesting of like PhD psychologists. I mean, I, you recommended this, but I looked it up a lot, and <laughs> the. It chats with you. You're like in a chat room, and you the, sort of go. <laughs> you sort of the open app up. chats with you. Yeah, you. Um, it'll actually sometimes during the day. Wobot, the of, robot chats with yeah, you. Yeah, it's supposed to help you make you feel better. It's sort of like an alternate therapist kind of thing. So,
0: what would Wobot say you're feeling right now?
1: Well, a lot of times Wobot asks me what I'm feeling. So, uh, and, so do you, and you have six. It says, "Hey, Chris." Six options. I open the chat. It Goes, "Hey, Chris, welcome back. Uh, how do you feel today?" You know, and it does. It gives you like some options. Some of them are like afraid like anxious sad uh-huh, lonely uh-huh. and then you can click more i often click more <laughs> <laughs> and then and there's another list of them and then sometimes i don't like any of them and so i press it says or type what you type what you're feeling so then you type.
0: put annoyed
1: yeah right but it, this thing is like one i have used it two it actually can sometimes be helpful to ask you questions about say you say you're anxious
0: okay uh i'm never anxious yeah. It's
1: not uh, true. And I also want to say that, but I have told WoBot that I'm anxious okay. sometimes privately, just me and WoBot. Yeah. And uh say so you say you're anxious and it sort of says, "Hey, we'll talk about what the anxious what's a belief that you have." And it teaches you this little thing. It'll even show you a little video like, "Here's how you make a belief statement or something." Uh and then you <laughs> sort of say, "I believe okay. that um you know, I believe that this week is going to be a bad week." And it sort of says, "Why?" And you sort of sort of say the why. And it's the AI chat is good enough to pick out some of the things of that and say, do you think this reason or this reason is more important? This kind of thing. You know, I'm playing with it. Uh, I actually have gotten some benefit for it, but it sort of is using a thing called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Yeah, right. So a standard um, thing that counselors will even use. It's like yeah. sort of proven psychology things. But this is our topic today. This is all about emotional artificial intelligence yeah. And emotional technology. Yes. Technology that interacts
0: with our emotions. Technology with heart. <laughs> but does it have heart? Does it have heart? Does it have a... <laughs> Do emotions follow a logical pattern? That's, uh, I don't know. So I want to tell you this story, and it's a lot
1: more serious important than oh, a chatbot on a phone. Yeah. Uh, the, there are scientists that are finding that emotional AI can actually help save lives. There's one story that it's saving the lives of children, and it's children with epilepsy, you know, kids that will have seizures. Uh Um, They found that kids that have seizures get really anxious before a seizure. Hmm. They get just stressed out, sort of the way way you and I get stressed out. If we're going to go up and do a speech uh, in front of a room and our palms get sweaty, you know, that sort of sensation, (laughs) that same sensation in a smaller way is measurable on the skin of children and everybody if you use a little sensor. And there's this story of this woman um, who had like a five-year-old daughter and she, um, the daughter had epilepsy. She was playing in her room and the woman went into the, just to take a shower while she was at home. And suddenly her phone went off because it was getting a notification, uh, an emergency notification from the special sensor that was on the wrist of this girl. And so she jumps out of the shower, rushes into the other room and her daughter has just finished having a seizure. Uh Like, and she's laying there and she's, turning blue because she can't breathe Uh and she her mom reaches out says her name it's really scary touches her and after a second the girl starts breathing again and she's okay she stopped breathing because there's this thing called sudep this thing that people that have seizures don't cause death but apparently there's a condition that after a seizure if another person is not nearby Uh uh-huh someone could actually not, their brain doesn't totally kick back in and they could stop breathing. And they've discovered this phenomenon. And so, and they also discovered the phenomenon that kids get anxious right before a seizure. And so they built a sensor that measured that emotion on their skin and called their parents so someone could be nearby. Yeah. Isn't that amazing?
0: It really is. Yeah. Uh, We heard this story when we went and heard a woman named uh, Rosalind Picard, uh, which is a great name. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but she actually works at uh, MIT's Media Lab, right? Um, she's, and yeah. is kind of at the forefront of emotion AI. And really, uh, before it was called emotion AI, it was called affective computing, affective okay. with an A. And she really coined this phrase, affective computing. Yeah, she's and like really,
1: f- she's like the founder of this whole area. Yeah, this
0: whole field. Uh, Rosalind really kind of. Created this is uh, with a book that she wrote about twenty five years ago, I uh, think.
1: And she has a TED talk. This was a cool thing that you and I went to last week. Yeah, um, we jumped up at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, um, and the Carl F. H. Henry Center was hosting her right. to talk about this whole area that she's worked on on artificial intelligence and yeah. emotion. And one of the really interesting things about her as well is that she's a Christian. Uh, right, she doesn't. Right. T- she's she's a famous scientist. I think she was so famous, I was like. Uh, we found out about it what you know not too far before it and I was like well man this is gonna be packed like why don't you yeah, know but in, right. and there was I think we discovered that uh, theologians know less about her than <laughs> scientists do but she's an important compute she's a computer engineer by training mm-hmm. she's done coding she's yeah. done all this uh, artificial intelligence stuff but she's a Christian too and even Christianity today published right. her testimony this year yeah uh, which has gotten like like hundreds of thousands of shares it's really amazing
0: it is really amazing yeah she, and she did a really great job to sort of of lay out what emotion ai is doing where the field is at what it can do what it can't do and really kind of laid out the landscape um yeah like how does this stuff work what like she you know there's that sensor yeah yeah the sensor is one one way that emotion um that technology is sensing emotion um you know, it's called uh, galvanic skin response. Is oh, I think the okay. uh, right, right, right. technical term. But there's some other ways that people are doing it um, using technology to do it. Facial recognition is one. So they're reading facial expressions and they're categorizing them into these six emotions and maybe others. So it uses um, a camera.
1: It looks at my face yeah. and decides whether I'm angry or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's looking at whether you're whether the corners of your mouth are pointing up or down. You know whether there's you know your eyes are scrunched together or wide open or whatever. Right, right. Um, so that's one way. Another okay. way is uh, voice recognition. It's um, listening to the tone of your voice. Do listening, I sound nervous right now. Yeah, and 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 recognizing okay, like um, based on these sounds, this amplitude, whatever, you're likely feeling this emotion. So facial recognition, voice, skin response. I think it's really amazing, by the way, that voice even works like Apparent-
1: we, we both because I was reading an article you sent me for this, that voices even can be even like the most accurate one. Yeah. Voice is which, more
0: accurate than than facial recognition. I
1: don't know. Like, I mean, sometimes when we ah, I, when I listen to you, like sometimes, you know, when it's obvious someone's happy or angry. But I think a lot of times uh, I don't yeah. know if I if you played a voice clip for me, I'm not sure I would know other than like nervousness. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. But they said it's super accurate. Yeah, they do. And she's kind of laying out the landscape, but she showed a slide and it it blew my mind. So she was talking about... Uh, Picture
1: the emoji with the mind
0: blown. I know. Adam yeah, likes that mind emoji. blown. <laughs> um, so it was looking at the meaning of a smile, right? Okay. The meaning of a smile, uh, does it mean that you're happy or that you're frustrated? And... I didn't realize this, but most people, when they're frustrated, they actually smile, which right. is crazy. I think you actually do this. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you smile a lot. You're smiling right now. I'm just not sure. But apparently, people, people smile when, when they're both happy and frustrated. Humans are able to identify uh, a smile as happy really well, better than a computer. But when it comes to frustration, this was crazy. The computer could recognize a frustration smile 92% of the time. Okay. Humans could recognize it about 50% of the time.
1: Wow. It was that much better.
0: So, like, a computer is recognizing that a smile can mean frustration two times better than a human. Yeah. Maybe that makes sense. That blew my mind.
1: So... Wow. We want to think, of course, we're humans. We understand emotion really well. But are we building a computer system that that can actually do it better than ourselves? Right. The problem is, of course, what she said about that is that um, when you put it in a test environment like that, it works really well because you're telling the computer to look at photos of people. What they did, it's machine learning, right? You know, they gave them photos of a ton of people and they told it originally, this one's a real smile and this one, the person's frustrated because they knew ahead of time. They give them enough of those photos, then the computer starts learning from those photos, that's machine learning, and then Mm -hmm. it sort of extrapolates and then can guess to the next one. So it does that really well. The problem is, she said, in the real world, when you add all sorts of other things like people's personality, what's going on in the room around them, Mm -hmm. uh, that the computer gets a lot worse Yeah,
0: yeah. AI is really, it's it's really just really complex categorization. Right, right. That's really what it's doing. Right, and that's why I asked you, okay, of these six emotions, which one are you feeling? Because that's sort of how an AI works. It says, okay, I have six categories. You have to fall into one of them. But it's more complex than that. It might have a thousand categories, but it's still dropping you into a category. Um, and it's doing it based on a bunch of uh, points of data. So Rosalind's research at MIT uh, has spawned actually a couple like uh, companies. Um, one is called Affectiva, and they're really at the forefront of emotion AI and doing affective computing. But I mean, all the big names are getting into it. Microsoft, IBM, uh, Facebook, Apple, Google they're, they're Amazon, all doing this. I'm sure, right, yeah. One thing that's really driving uh, some of this is actually Christmas commercials. So there's a company called Real Eyes, like real eyes, like your eyes in your head, not like real eyes, but I think it's supposed to be the same thing. Yeah, really clever name that you're like, okay, it's really clever. So they, they've used affective computing to watch people's faces as they're watching these Christmas commercials, and they will create like
1: you know jingle all the way Christmas commercial. I don't know. Yeah, jingle one, all the way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what I think of. Whatever that toy. <laughs> okay.
0: So they'll create twenty commercials, and they'll have four thousand people watch, and they'll scan people's faces as they're watching the whole thing, and then they'll run it through their system, and they'll they'll look at which commercial at which points is achieving which emotions
1: like how touching was that
0: how touching are, are they crying you know are they laughing it does it hit all the feels right right all the feels
1: oh they're, they're detecting if the feels are actually there
0: so they they say well with this christmas commercial we want to hit this emotion or we want to hit these five emotions or whatever and this one does it the best i've actually seen a couple different numbers but by 2023 Affective computing will be a $25 billion industry. So we've moved from helping save the lives of children to
1: being emotionally manipulated. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> I, this I say is, for mm, you because I know you want to say that. This
0: is such a soapbox for me. <laughs> I can't even. Like, there's all sorts of examples of how technology sort of. Rises up to help the marginalized person, but then makes the trip and ends up supporting large organizations or powers that are already in power. So, a few examples. Just indulge me here.
1: No, no, I got it. I'm writing them down. Little bullet points. When technology goes bad, by Adam (laughs) Graver.
0: The Arab Spring. We all said, "Look at what Twitter's doing. It's democratizing the voices of the marginalized. It's it's raising them up." Sure. And Look what's happened. That's 2011. Five years later, we have a president who's tweeting all the time.
1: Oh, dang. You went there. Okay.
0: Um, the keyboard. Okay, get this. The keyboard was invented... Like the to, computer keyboard? The, like, like a typewriter keyboard. Yeah. Was invented to help people who are blind. And everyone okay. uses keyboards today, and most of them are not blind. That's my second example. My third example is is what we talked about last season, CRISPR gene editing. So the Chinese guy who decided he wanted to use CRISPR gene editing to help twins prevent them from uh, contracting AIDS, he sort of glides past all of these uh, protocols in science to, to say, well, we're doing it for a good cause. Let's just do it.
1: Yeah, and that one feels like it's even easier for us to see how it could lead to a whole lot of negative things. Right.
0: Right, and so technology kind of makes its way in on the back of altruism, but then it turns a corner, and becomes uh, a support for the powers that be. And I just, I the only reason I I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but the only reason I say that is I want us to be more attuned to a technology that pulls at our heartstrings that we get behind because of that for that reason can also be. This is a strong term, but weaponized. And it can be used for more nefarious, more capitalistic purposes as well.
1: So Adam, what do you think of this scenario? Hit me. You get in your car after you've just had an argument. We'll say it's with me, <laughs> and, and you're and you're really uh, raging mad. Oh, you're just naturally you're just, you're just so angry, <laughs> and and you're like you're stomping off to your car. You slam the door. <laughs> you throw you you you're about to throw it in reverse. You push the button to turn it on, and nothing happens. The car refuses to turn on. My car has a push button. This is exciting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You don't have one of those yet. (laughs) Um, Like typical, I've had one for a push button for like a decade, and you probably still have a key. Um, I have
0: to crank my car,
1: actually. (laughs) (laughs) Manually. And the car light comes on and says something like, calm down. And the reason is, is because... You calm down. In this... (laughs) Right In this car, they've a st- installed a camera that detects your emotion, and the emotion detected is heavy anger, and studies have shown that ing- like very intense anger is equivalent to drunk driving, to having yeah. the multiple drinks, and that we now know that it's unsafe. Therefore, the safety mechanism in the car is that you cannot drive until you be oh, less man.
0: angry. What do you think? Because it's not far off. I think that's bull crap. <laughs> Get That's that, what I think. Get mad. <laughs> I mean, so when we raised this uh, question to Rosalind after her talk... By the way, this technology is made by the company that she helped spin yeah. off.
1: I don't think she oversees it now, but uh, they're yeah. selling this technology, have announced that they would like to sell it in three years to auto manufacturers. Yeah, I
0: think GM is already using it. Oh, wow. Or implement, or will be implementing it. Um, yeah, when we brought this up to her, she she said, yeah, it can do that, but is, is the right response actually to to prevent an angry person from doing what they want to do will that will that actually help them calm down or will that just make them angrier and I think she's got a great which point is a
1: smart point right 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 I which, mean, is, which is like almost like the clippy problem right uh, clippy clippy <laughs>
0: clippy you remember what I mean Microsoft Word like yeah but 1995 I tried to forget honestly <laughs> I think I'd forgotten. Do about people remember Clippy.
1: this? I think everyone remembers this. It's the stupid little oh. animated uh, paperclip that would pop up when you started typing, and be like, "It looks like you're typing a letter." Would you like help? And he was bouncing and smiling. <laughs> See, now I'm angry. <laughs> so, and the great thing about this thing is everyone hated it. <laughs> like everyone hated it. <laughs> it's true. And, like, and the reason was is because it kept on popping up, and you tried to tell it to go away. And it would it would pop back up and smile, and that made you angrier, right? <laughs> so you weren't that angry; you were Those just slightly big, annoyed. Eyes, but the way it responded made you more frustrated. And then it, you Oosh. got to the point where it was like you just want to throw the computer across the room because of the stupid. Clippy. <laughs> so the Clippy problem is this idea, right? That like the the technology might get the emotion. No, in, in this case, Clippy didn't get any emotions, right? That's why right, it, right. it was so it's, out of it's touch. It's there to
0: serve you, but it's not. Getting the gist,
1: Roslyn made a made a point that is like really good AI for the time. It just had no idea what the emotion of the user was. Mm. Um, now See, with a the car driver thing, where it could detect your emotion, it could detect your emotion, but it might not know
0: what to do. So basically, Clippy is going to be in my car. <laughs> is that what we're saying
1: well i mean if we're having more emotional intelligence one thing you do when you're talking to someone is you match their emotion
0: yeah so rather than saying i see that you're writing a letter it'll say i see that you're angry right now would you like help with that yeah
1: like robot i think it's a fascinating ethical question because one a lot of people would yeah what is the what does the computer do to solve Mm -hmm. the problem Two doesn't have the resources to do that. Would you trust your car to talk you through an anger problem? Probably not. Right. But does it? But also, like people are going to feel um, other things. You know, are people going to feel violations of privacy in this area? Right. Uh, because they feel like, how is this able to stop me from this? I understand the inebriation, but the anger feels really personal. And privacy, as I often write about, it's not a technology issue or a legal issue. It's a relational issue. Knowledge is not the issue with privacy. It's knowledge with the wrong relationship. The car is not intimate with. He like right. this feels super uncomfortable for people.
0: Right, right. I think it's really important to recognize that emotion recognition is not emotional intelligence. Uh, you know, if I see you smiling, you know I'm angry. I, yeah, <laughs> no. I, you know, I, I've I've actually learned that. Okay, if Chris is if Chris is frustrated, I, I've kind of learned a little bit how to navigate it. Ooh, what do you do? Tell me.
1: <laughs> no, no. Yeah, right. You, because you know me and.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it takes, and it takes actually, experience. It takes insight. It takes, um, takes some wisdom. It just takes, yeah. Look, wisdom. I even called you wise there. Wow. Cause, no, because wow. I you do have, I feel you happy. You do have now. wisdom.
1: Like, for instance, like at your church, I know you, you lead a group for people talk working through spiritual and emotional things, working through, yeah, and emotional stuff. Right. And you know how to do that. Um, that's something that you've trained for, that you've gone through yourself, right? and our experience that guiding other people through right. when they're feeling strong things. And that takes some real experience. It's hard to imagine an AI, an AI does not have the emotional intelligence that you do.
0: So maybe emotional recognition isn't emotional intelligence, and it won't replace our emotional intelligence, but it could supplement. And I kind of think about it like Google Maps. And it becomes a supplement helping me navigate someone else's emotional reactions. It might tell me, you know, they're feeling frustrated right now, or they're feeling excited right now. Um, oh, so over time, if I if I use Google Maps, I've found that I kind of don't actually know how to get somewhere without Google Maps.
1: Yeah, sure. Because you're just
0: I'm just, watching I the just, screen and yeah, I you, just like follow, follow the people. little car and. I turn left when it tells me to turn left, and yeah, you look a to it, Spotify just, instead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Over time, do I start to lose some of that skill of sort of navigating people's emotions and figuring out how they're feeling because I'm relying on this technology? Does does my emotional intelligence atrophy over time?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Do we like atrophy over time if it's doing emotional things for us? Um, it does remind me of uh, your favorite person, Marshall McLuhan. <laughs> uh, who did have thoughts about the way communications technologies or new technologies create numbness. He liked the word numbness. Numbness. Um, where where we got more enhanced in one area, we'd get sharper or get a bigger lens on one thing and at the same time yeah. we'd numb other things. Yeah. Like, you know, if someone's driving down the road and you see someone, if I drive down the road and I see someone with a flat tire on the side of the road, you know, back in the day, you would just sort of might stop and like help, you know. Yeah. I feel yeah. like my dad's generation. I don't really do that these days. No, um, you just assume they ha- they have a cell phone and they can exactly. just call for help. They've already called either friends or family or AAA or whatever they need and, and, and your help isn't particularly necessary and the technology is sort of what makes that feel different, doesn't it? Right. Um, Our expectations change around it. So if we have emotionally assistive AI, not just for ourselves but also for other people, mm. um, there's this, sort of this idea you go, well, that person sort of seemed down or maybe even they were a little depressed, but I'm sure their app will let them know.
0: <laughs> so yeah. like, they'll get, a, they'll get a notification. Yeah, their emotions, <laughs> they're broke down on the side of the road. So I but think like, you,
1: you have something about that that says, I could see the social norms of the way we care for each other right. changing. So let's go more theological. And here's a question, Adam. Do you think God has emotions? Like anger, Uh, like yeah. There's other emotions, but
0: yeah, (laughs) anger is the only one you can look. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Is God like angry, or is anything else? I think so. I why is it? It's a weird question, right? He's he's slow to anger, but abounding in loving kindness. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think that means he does get angry, uh, but I think he also has compassion. I think you know we see jesus with emotions i think those reflect you know he's the visible image of the invisible god i think god has emotions yeah. and i think that i mean
1: and that idea about jesus i think it's key there's a word in theology called impassibility the Im- imp-
0: I- impassibility <laughs>
1: yeah 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 not impossible but impassible <laughs> and it's a, an idea that theologians some theologians have used to talk about um, that god can't Actually, be affected by things other than himself, like emotionally, and the reason is is because he's already uh, omnipotent, all knowing, and all powerful, and that to say that he is pushed around, say by by emotions in some ways, is to sort of like make him too small, make him too human. Like, like little uh, deities that ran around you know, tribal worlds or something that were <laughs> pissed at people or they would throw lightning bolts or things. That was like sort of a, a pagan God idea, but that the God of the Bible, the God of Christianity is a God that's impassable, that um, he is unto himself.
0: Okay, so like what we do doesn't affect his emotions or doesn't have an impact on how he feels.
1: Yeah, and it's um the yeah, sort of. And that's actually the argument against this. We go, oh, "Wait, if God actually loves people, uh doesn't he feel something with that? Or if God actually, you know, hates sin. I I am sort of against this thought. <laughs> so okay. I, I'll be a little bit biased here, but I think to make an argument for someone that would say that God is impassible, um, I think they would say uh, that well, God's hate and love are part of the the righteousness of who He is. So to love someone is the, is the pro- the proper response to His creation, and to hate sin is the proper response in Himself. Like almost like that's part of His qualities. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. But like not sort of the way we think about love, or the way we think about sort of foolish hate or this kind of thing. But I think it makes it too difficult to say that. Um, I think it's sort of relationships. And emotions are so tied up it is impossible for me to imagine a God that actually really loves me that doesn't have a sense of emotional love around that uh and the reason I bring this up is because like how do we see if we're talking about emotional AI and what humans are and the role of emotions in our life like um, what is what is the role of god's emotions in all this
0: yeah man those that's a deep thought. I have to think about it for a second, but my first thought is. If, if we think that God is, uh, would be he would be passable? Is that what it would be? <laughs> I guess so. He's not but, impassable, but he's passable. Right, right. Um, if, if God has emotion, if he is affected by our own emotions and actions, then if we are going to bear God's image, if we are going to be like God, if we're going to be Christ-like, then we need to fully own and practice emotional intelligence. We need to engage in empathy and become better at understanding other people's feelings and responding to them appropriately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's what God does. That's who God is. And if this assistive technology causes that to atrophy, I think it's actually moving us away from that image of God. And so I think we need to be uh, attentive to that dynamic.
1: Or if it actually causes us to be a little bit better. I mean, for the same reason, the theological yeah. reason. Like, if maybe it can help there, us. There might be more husbands than we think that wouldn't mind a little bit of emotional nudging <laughs> to, yeah. to notice that their wife is, uh, and I'm not being stereotypical yeah, yeah, yeah. there, but to notice <laughs> that their wife is feeling some emotions that they've ignored. And, it, you know, um, to jump back to Rosalind um, Picard, she, she was talking about assistive AI a lot that the things nudge us towards things, the technologies that she's been working on, nudge when the mom runs to the daughter to touch her so Uh she'll breathe and her presence is there. The AI didn't do the touching. The AI just gave a little nudge Mm -hmm. to show her to to bring back human presence. What if technology can do that?
0: Well and and it makes me think okay if if technology can help someone with autism recognize emotion and if it can help me recognize someone and the feelings that they're having maybe eventually over time it could it could back off and it could it could say rather than mm, mm, um mm, mm. telling right. me what the emotion is it could ask me and maybe confirm it or or kind of nudge me in the right direction, rather than just giving me the answer, it could say, what emotion did you sense in that uh, encounter? Um, well, you know, it's 92% likely that it was actually this emotion. Or, or no, it's you're like, right it almost on. It teaches you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, like, if it, if it backed off over time, if it was kind of training wheels, but then you took the training wheels off eventually, right? Right, right. Uh, emotion, think, no, emotional training. Uh, wow, rules. you've
1: just we've just invented uh, um, a future for Wobot. I think so. That's pretty. Wobot <laughs> has a future. <laughs> a theological. We got to theologically. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we can think of. There's a lot more to say um, about God and people on this. I think the biggest thing though is that our emotions towards each other do matter, right? I, I, it matters to me what you feel towards me. It Matters what God feels towards us. In fact, yeah. a lot of times when we comfort someone, we say, um, God isn't angry with you and he loves you. And, uh, us knowing the face of God matters.
0: Yeah. Chris, when you smile, I want to know whether you're happy or whether you're frustrated. Okay. Chris vice or virtue. <laughs> Night rider, the talking car kit kit (laughs) uh which (laughs) i mean kit kit was fully responsive to david hasselhoff's emotions right that was david hasselhoff it was yeah I don't.
1: Uh, I don't know this because I don't know if you remember this part of my life. I was mostly overseas in the 80s. Uh, even when I was a kid, I don't remember
0: that part of your life.
1: But <laughs> uh, so I often say I was frozen in carbonite during that time, uh, which uh, which is a Star Wars reference. Uh, no, we're talking about Kit right now. Uh, I think a talking car. So wait, what did he do? He got in the car and like the car talked to him and then they like went on adventures together.
0: At a... Yeah, it was kind of. I don't really remember. I don't think I got to watch it either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so we, that's okay. We but can declare. Like talking, we can declare. Talking we think cars right.
0: is the point. Yeah, right? cars that talk to you and drive you places. Okay,
1: I'm gonna say kit is a virtue because I'm gonna say that the car was the car of the 80s of the future was so smart that when you were too angry to drive, it could soothe you down in a way that didn't make you mad. Mm.
0: You know, I wonder why. Why Doc didn't bring the DeLorean back as a talking car. <laughs> That's true. I do. You know? I remember the DeLorean better. <laughs> the DeLorean would have been a great talking car. They just would have installed
1: emotional AI. And it would have been Yeah, fine.
0: exactly. I mean, if they had seen the future, this is where we would have gone. Um, I love the idea of a car that I can talk to. I really like cars. And... Uh, I would love to know more about them and have them tell me about them. So I'm going to say a virtue also. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Kit would be a great car. It's a
1: virtue because you want a <laughs> nice friend. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not friend enough. Beca- <laughs> because you uh, can't even tell what I'm thinking or feeling. <laughs> you're smiling. I have no idea right now.
0: <laughs> Only a uh, computer could tell. <laughs> time to shut it down.
1: Uh, we'd love to hear how you guys feel. Let us know online. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. Okay. Tweet to us at DeviceVirtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And
0: do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's MA in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty or displacement as refugees, visit wheaton.edu/hdl